Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to see you all tonight on this stormy, wet night. Wow, is it pouring rain outside? But we're going to stay safe and warm in here, and we're going to have a good Bible study tonight. I pray tonight that all of you at home who are going to be watching will follow along with us in the Scripture. We're going to go to Romans chapter 8 here in a few minutes. I hope that you will find time to gather somebody, share this video with somebody online, let them know. We're going to be talking about the final part, the series that we had started several weeks ago. We're going to talk about the final part of walking in God's grace. How many are grateful for God's amazing grace? Amen. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So on this beautiful August Sunday, Wednesday, with it storming and raining, we're thankful tonight. Uh, that we have uh, just so many things to be thankful for. And uh, we're praying for God's protection for all of those. Pray for those in Kentucky and those that are suffering from all the flooding that's going on. Uh, pray for those families that have lost people and just believing that God's going to help us. So tonight, we're going to dive right back in. I'm going to do a short review. It's been several weeks since uh, I have taught this particular series, and I want to thank uh, Brother Dan Tackett and Brother Xavier Wilson. They've done such an amazing job filling in for me uh, during this month of July, and I believe God's going to use those men for His glory. Wow, God is doing great things for them, and I know that God is going to continue. Amen. So tonight, we're going to go into the Word of the Lord. So let's just go immediately into the Word of the Lord, and let's talk about God's amazing grace. I want to take you back to the first week, and we learned in Romans chapter 6. Remember, we started in Romans chapter 6, and it's a fantastic chapter. You need to read Romans 5, 6, 7, 8, and get a full picture of what God's grace is really looking like here. We find the first week, we talked about dying to live, about how the Apostle Paul gave us this understanding about how we need to die to ourselves in order to live to Christ. In Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, that was our first week. Our second week, we learned to walk by grace by being in Romans chapter 6 and verses 15 through 23. And we learned that who you yield yourself to is who you serve. Amen. And who you yield yourself to is who you serve. How many know that that's the truth on this rainy Wednesday? Amen? That we yield ourselves to God, we are serving God. We yield ourselves to the world, we're serving the world. We yield ourselves to Satan, we are serving Satan. And of course, we are going to learn about this grace that we walk in to prevent that from happening in our lives. And then, in week 3 and week 4... We were in Romans chapter 7, and we talked about the portrait of a struggling Christian. Being a Christian is not all about just everything being peachy and wonderful all the time. No, there is a struggle, a war. Paul, in chapter 7, told us about there's a war that's going on, uh, one of evil and good, and one war, the spirit warf against the flesh, and the flesh against the, uh, the spirit of evil. And there's, there's got to be an understanding in your life that it's okay to struggle. It's not okay to be a hypocrite, right? But it's okay to say, you know what? I, I really don't understand how uh, I, I can be saved by my works. You can't be. It's only by the grace and mercy and the work of Christ on the cross. So we learn the portrait of a struggling Christian. And in that, we learn that God's law reveals our sin. God's law reveals our sin. And 
that law um, is something that we have to read, understand, and then learn to live in the grace that God has purchased for us. And of course, the fifth week, we talked about life in the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, 1 through 17. I'm going to refresh your memory, and I'm going to read the first 17 verses uh, straight through so that you can get a flavor of where I'm headed tonight as we talk and learn more about walking in the grace or walking by grace. I want to remind you that we started this process and series months ago when we were talking about uh, salvation for all and about how that salvation is not just uh, for a few, it's for everyone. Someone say amen. amen. And that, that salvation though, there's something that comes after you're saved. It's not just done, you're not completed, you don't check a box and, and that's over. No, you've got to now live in Christ, walk in the Spirit. And this is what we've been talking about. How do we successfully walk in the Spirit, walk by grace? Because without grace, we cannot walk on our own. We are mere humans and we are born sinners. And it's that grace that saves us. We are saved by the mercy and the grace of God. And in this moment of our life, we have to realize that I need grace more than I've ever needed it before. We're living in dark times. We all know that. We see that. We sense that. But where what sin doth abound, what grace does much more abound. So we know and thank God uh, for that beautiful grace. So we're learning about that. And so we are going to read Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 17. And we're going to talk about uh, how uh, we learn to walk um, and live life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. Capital S, not little s. Life in the Spirit. Romans, let's go. Chapter 8 and verse 1. You can read it on the screen behind me or you can grab your Bibles at home so you can mark them. And uh, we're going to learn uh, again tonight. This is our final series. You can go back either on Spotify or iTunes and listen to our, our podcast, these sessions, or you can go back right here on Facebook and watch our Wednesday night uh, replays and they will give you all of this series uh, in the six weeks. And then, of course, this week is our seventh. So let's read Romans 8 1. So now let uh, there is what? No condemnation for those who what? Belong to Christ Jesus. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. How many of you belong tonight? Amen? Amen. I belong to him. He belongs to me. He loved me first, but I love him back. And there is a belonging. He is mine and I am his. I'm his child. So there is therefore now no condemnation to them that belong to Christ Jesus. That word condemnation means they're condemning you, that there's some sort of guilt that comes upon you, that you sin and you feel like, oh my good, it's the end of the world. There's therefore. Why? Verse 2. And because you belong to him, the power of what? The life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. In verse 3, the Bible says, The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. I just want to say that again. The law of Moses was unable to save us. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son. How many are thankful that he sent his son? Amen. That Christ came and that he died for our sins. And uh, in, in, a, in a body like the bodies of we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control 
over, uh, over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Verse 4, he did this, God did this, so that the just requirement of the law would be what? Fully satisfied. Christ fully satisfied the law. Another place it records that he fulfilled the law, that he completed the law. And here Paul states it again, that we are justified, um, fully satisfied is what he did for us, who no longer follow our sinful nature. There it is, your choice. Will you follow your... We all have a sinful nature, but will you follow it? And that's what he's asking. But instead, follow the Spirit. Can you say follow the Spirit? Amen? Can you type it online? Follow the Spirit. Why? Because that's our goal. It doesn't mean we accomplish it every moment of our life. But we strive to the high call of Christ, and that's following the Spirit of God. Verse 5, for those who are dominated, that word dominated means dominion, means controlled, right? By the sinful nature, think about sinful things. Now listen, as a Christian, we, th we still think about some sim sinful things, but we cast it down. We do not let it dwell in our hearts and in our minds and our spirits. So we're not dominated. We're tempted by it, but we're not dominated by it. There's a very distinct uh, uh, separation there. So by the sinful nature, thinking about sinful things, but those who are controlled, everybody say controlled, Denom dominated and controlled is the same word used in a different tense, but that word controlled means that you are willingly let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you in the paths of righteousness. If you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So let your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. So letting your sinful nature control, everybody say control, your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit, the Spirit of the Holy One of Israel, the Spirit of God, uh, control your what? Everybody shout mind. Mind leads to life and peace. Life and peace. We want the Spirit to control our mind because it's in our mind that the battlefield of our soul is raging. It's in verse 7 that he goes on and says, For the sinful nature, or the flesh, is always hostile to God. Isn't that interesting? Always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law. Everybody say never. <laughs> and it never will. Amen. It never will. Your sinful nature will never obey or be uh, welcoming to God. It will always try to fight you. Verse 8, that's why those who are still under the control, domination of their sinful nature, can what? Never please God. Can never please. That's, that's quite this phrase there. Elder, uh, never please God when we are dominated by our sinful nature. Look, we all struggle. We are all sinners saved by that grace we're talking about. The issue is, what is the dominant? Uh, as as an individual, I'm right-handed, and you can, you know, they do these tests where, you know, you can close one eye and see which side of your body is more dominant, and they do all these control, they do these tests online, you can see what side of your body, what side of your brain is more dominant. And, and that's the issue. There are some people that are creative. They are, they are left-brained or right brain, which is, I can't remember. Uh, the other people are more analytical. Um, and it, it's because one side of your brain is more dominant than the other. It controls your character. It controls how you think and what you do. That's science, right? But in the spirit, it's no different. What dominates 
What dominates your spirit man? That's who is controlling you or dominating your life. So will it be that that is hostile, your flesh, the world, or will it be the spirit of God? Someone say amen. So we have got to allow God to control our sinful nature and it's going to please him. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Someone say that's right. Amen. Uh, by faith. Amen. Uh, you are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit living in you. The spirit living. We talked about salvation for all. We talked about Christ living in us. About baptism into the name of Jesus. We talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Speaking with other tongues. That's Christ living inside of us. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. Verse 10. At all. That's that's sobering. It's sobering when you think about that. In verse 10, the Bible says, And Christ lives within you, even so, though your body will die of sin. Oh, your body will die of sin. The Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. In John 14, you'll read, Jesus said, I'm going to pray that the Comforter or the Holy One or the Helper will come and that He will be with you. And I'm going to pray that the Father will send Him in my name. That's what Jesus said. So understand tonight that you are living in Christ and He is living in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, He will give life to your what? mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Verse 12, therefore, ah, he just told us all this wonderful news about if we live in Christ, if we walk in the Spirit. He also told us if we don't, the consequences of that. And then he says in verse 12, therefore, because of what I just told you, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. I recently sat with someone and they said to me, I, I can't help it. I, I can't stop it. it. It's impossible. And I looked them square in the eye and I said, that's because you're doing it in your flesh and not by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is impossible for you to uh, quit allowing the domination of your sinful nature if you do it on your own. Some of us think that if we quit something long enough that it's going to go away. But if it's spiritual, you don't need to quit. You need deliverance. You need deliverance from sin. Deliverance from the things that so easily beset you. Too many of us want to control our life because we want to be in control of our own stuff. But God is challenging us tonight. Challenging you in your life saying, I want you to trust me and I'm going to urge you, right? You're not under any obligation to do what the devil tells you to do. Come on now. You're not under any... No, no, don't talk to me about the devil made me do it. No, I don't believe that. I believe that you allowed the devil to make you do it. And that's the scripture. For it, you live by its dictates, you will die. So and say amen. amen. But if through the power of the Spirit, you put to death <coughs> the deeds or actions of your sinful nature, you will live. No wonder Paul said, I die 
daily. Why? Because he had to crucify. We learned that in chapter 6, right? You got to die in order to live. Verse 14. <coughs> For all, pardon me, who are led, I say led, by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. God did not make you fearful slaves. You did not receive that from God. Instead, you received God's spirit when he what adopted you. Someone say adopted me. You didn't deserve it. You weren't born into it, but he made you worthy and he, bore, he made you born again into his kingdom. He adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. Abba Father. Verse 16. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Someone shout, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I have a right before the throne of grace in the time of trouble because he is my father and I am his child. So we, and verse 17, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But, there it is, if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. We must share his suffering. We don't like to talk about that very much. Um, um, I feel like I'm really fulfilling that right now. <laughs> I feel like that, that, you know, but you know what, this, this, life happens to all of us. So don't, don't think because you're going through a trial that God doesn't love you or doesn't like you. No, you've got to recognize in your spirit that there's some things that got to happen in your life in order for you to exercise your faith and fellowship in his suffering or share in his suffering. Paul speaks both ways. Paul said, that I might know him in the fellowship of his suffering. Then he says here that, that I want to share in his suffering. And that is an important factor. We as Christians think because we serve Jesus that everything's peachy and wonderful. Let me tell you, the wages of sin is death. You can read, right, uh, in, in Hebrews about how the heroes of faith and, and how that... Noah chose, I'm sorry, um, uh, Moses chose, uh, instead of Egypt, he chose God. He could have lived in the palace as a child of the king, the Pharaoh, and lived a life of luxury, but he didn't. He chose the hard way. He chose. Why? Because that was the will of God to save a nation. And in your life, you don't know what you're going through in order to save a family member, or you, or someone around you, or your children, or your grandchildren. They are watching how we endure. There will be suffering in this world. We are few days and full of trouble. Whether you are saved or unsaved, you are going to suffer the human condition of pain. It is a part of life. So many people say, why is this happening? Because you're a human. That's why. You're a human and that's a part of the condition of the human existence. Pain, suffering, right? Uh, it doesn't mean we have to enjoy it. doesn't mean God's not going to give us grace to go through it. No, that's the beauty of grace. We receive that grace to go through things. He's with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll go with us even to the end. That's the beauty of what God wants to do in your life. So let's talk this week for just a few minutes about uh, Romans 8, 18 through 30. Our future hope of glory. Our future. This is our last segment in this series. Our future hope 
of God's glory, of glory. So today, let's move on from 17. Remember 17? We are, since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together in with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Verse 18 says, Yet what we suffer now is what? Nothing. Someone shout nothing, 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 nothing. I've been thinking about this. Um, <clears throat> uh, if, if I uh, uh, took a moment and just told you uh, the last um, couple weeks uh, of uh, mine and Sister Lisa's experience on this planet, um, it's been tumultuous. It's been trying. It has been moments where um, you question, you know, what what is going on? What's next? Why me? Why this? One thing after another seems like there's no let up. And those are just honest feelings from human experience. Uh, and uh, it doesn't matter if I'm a pastor or my wife is a pastor. You still have those human feelings. You have to readjust and recenter yourself and remember who you are in God and who your child, who your father is, and that you're His child. And, and when suffering comes, you have to put it in its box, in its right perspective, that we are not suffering on this earth. It means nothing compared to the glory that we're going to live and walk in and it will be revealed to us. Here it is. Read the last letter later. Too many of us want it right now. We want God's glory revealed to us. We want to see the prize. I'm going to hear and try to negotiate with you for just a second and tell you that he that endureth to the end, the same. How many want to be saved? Amen. I want to be saved. I want to be set free from all the bonds of this human experience and live with my heavenly Father, worship at the throne while Jesus rules and reigns in that new Jerusalem. That's what I want to be a part of. So I'm going to live in eternity with God, in eternal existence. This is temporal. This will last for 70, 80, I don't know, some 20, some 50, some... It's all... But what I'm trying to say is don't focus on your suffering so much that you forget your eternal reward, what you're working towards in Christ. So he says what we suffer now is nothing. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, this was so interesting. Um, uh, my wife uh, on Friday night, uh, she uh, that day earlier, she got so uh, sick, her heart was racing out of her. We took her pulse, and it was 200, and she was sweating and, and couldn't breathe. And so we rushed her to the hospital, and she, we found that she had all these uh, uh, pulmonary embolisms or, or blood clots in both of her lungs. And the doctor said, listen, uh, you know, most people die when all that heart, because that's the blood clots going through your heart. We were at the doctor's today, and he was like, you're, again, reiterating, uh, God has blessed you, been so good. In fact, today I got a chance to sit and witness and talk and minister to our doctor, and uh, it was wonderful. We were there for two and a half hours. It was like his, we walked into the waiting room, and his family was watching. I was like, oh my God. But it was amazing. What God allowed us through Lisa's testimony and him be able to see it on the charts and watch and, and it was amazing. Here's what's more amazing to me. I, I told the story many years ago about how I was struggling through a period in my life and I asked God, Lord, do you even know my name? Many of you will remember this because I've repeated it often because it was so... And I was at a bank and a guy walked across, I never met, never seen, a guy walked across the parking lot 
shook my hand and, and said, uh, hi, I just want to tell you that uh, God still knows your name. And he turned around and walked away, got in his car and left. And I, I literally fell on the, in the parking lot weeping and crying and thanking God that he had heard my cry and reassured me. And that's always stuck, never will leave me till the day I die. It was so, uh, it was angelic. It was, it was angels unaware. And uh, it was amazing. Anyway, so we, we're done with the hospital and all that stuff. And so um, I'm walking my dog. I'm walking the dog. We're in a, 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 in a, a RV uh, resort uh, area. We were over in Grand Rapids with my daughter. And uh, I took the Mila, my dog, out for a walk that night. And Lisa stayed in, of course. And I made sure she was okay. So I'm walking the dog. And I'm, I'm walking the dog. And I'm walking along. And we're walking. And I look up. And um, I notice somebody that I thought I knew. I, it was very odd. Well, I, I stopped and said, um, Hi, I'm Nate Nix. Um, I think I know you. And, and the man was like, Oh, you know, I'm not sure. And the lady, the wife, walked over and said, You bought a trailer from us many years ago. We live in Toledo, and you found us on Facebook, and you bought a trailer from us, uh, a portable trailer to, to tow things with. I said, That's right. And I said, wow, that's amazing. I remembered. So we were laughing about it, and they had friends, and they were leaving. And so I said, well, it's great to see you, man. I can't believe that we recognize each other after all these years, right? And I turned to walk away, and she, she, she grabs my arm, and she turns, and I turn around and say, yes, ma'am. And uh, she said, how's your wife? Now, we just got out of the hospital. I haven't seen this woman in three years. We barely saw it. When I bought the trailer, it was from her husband. She walked out in the garage and said, Hi, how you doing? It was literally a brief encounter at a wonderful couple in Toledo, Ohio that I hadn't seen since 2019. And she grabs my arm and says, looks me in the eye and says, How's your wife doing? I'm praying for her today. And I just, <laughs> I just begin to pour. I begin to weep, and uh, and she began to cry. And everybody turned around. She had fifteen people at a picnic table that were standing there holding each other's hands, crying. And um, and uh, all these people turn around. Everybody's partying, laughing, having a good time. They're at a picnic, you know, and and they're all like, you know, she's, you know, and um, so it was just in that moment. I was just, I was so overwhelmed in that second. I mean, several hours before that, I'd been in a hospital, told something that my wife almost died on me. And this woman, who had not seen me in three years, don't tell me that God does not know your name. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every situation you're in. And uh, uh, we, we're, she texted me. Uh, we shared numbers. And, and uh, she texted me a couple days ago. I'm still praying for you. I'm believing God. God's going to do great things, you know. And I'm texting her uh, back and thanking her. And, and it was just one of those moments where I didn't know her name. I had not seen her in three years. I barely knew her from that moment, but God stepped in and said, you're questioning some things, you're struggling with some things, you've cried out to me, and I'm going to prove to you one more time that I've never forgot. I know exactly where you're at. Don't compare your suffering to something that is not real. Compare your suffering to the suffering of Christ. Compare it to the sacrifice that God made for you the made for you on Calvary.
and then recognize that this is suffering is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Someone say amen. For all, creature, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God reveals who his children, what? Really are. That word glory there is to be glorified. Another way of saying that God's children will be what? Conformed to him. Conformed to his son, Jesus Christ. And that it is God's ultimate purpose. No longer will they fall short of the glory of God. We find that in Romans 3 and 23. But be conformed to the image of Christ. We will be transformed and conformed to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 20 says this. So powerful. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. When he talks about God's curse, it was a promise to the world that said, if you disobey Adam, Eve, if you eat of the tree, if you disobey me, there is a curse that will come. And it will come and it will bring sin to the rest of the generations of Adam and Eve, which is you and I today. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children. Listen, the creation moans. It wants what God has for all of us. Will join God's children in what? Glorious freedom from death and decay. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. There will be this glorious presence of God that we will dwell in. Verse 22 Watch this. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. Hear me tonight. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. You see, we live in a sinful world. I tell this illustration, and I hope it makes sense to you. How many of you love McDonald's fries when they're fresh and hot and nice and salted? They are the best. They are amazing. In fact, I'm hungry for them right now. They are so good. Uh, you can take that French fry that's so good and tasty and so edible, right? And you can, you can drop them in a mud puddle. And, and they are still the same French fries. But now their environment has changed their value. Their environment. Drop them in a mud puddle. And all of a sudden, those fries that were so wonderful and tasty and warm, and you wanted them so bad, now they have become something less than edible. They have become less desirable. Matter of fact, they have, they have come where you will no longer want them, period. The fries are not the problem, right? The fries were the fries. They couldn't do anything about it, right? But their environment is what changed things. When you put yourself in the environment of sin, God created you in a perfection. Adam and Eve sinned and they allowed us to be steeped into an environment of sin. That we are born in sin and sin we are conceived. But Christ came and He said, I'm going to take you out of the mud puddle 
and I'm going to refry you. <laughs> I'm going to give you a new birth. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to make you a new potato in Christ. <laughs> and when we are in this world, we are infected by sin. We are swimming in a puddle of environmental garbage. Our TVs, our internet, our movies, our news, our life, our neighbors, our mouths, our minds, our internet. I could go on and on and on about the things that muddle or put mud in your potatoes, in your french fries. If you're not careful, you will continue to eat the french fries that are inedible. Because it's all you have now learned. You don't know about hot fries anymore. You've forgotten what hot fries taste like because all you're doing is picking them up out of sinful places. And you think that your life is normal when Christ says, I did not design you for sin. I did not design you for unrighteousness. So stop being comfortable in your sin. Repent and I'll renew you and make you a new creature in Christ. In your life and in mine, we have to see that what we have in the Holy Ghost, talking in tongues and receiving the Holy Ghost does not fix everything unless you continue to walk in the Spirit by which God filled you with. Unless you continue to walk in righteousness. Unless you continue. Because what happens is we get the Holy Ghost. And then we drop ourselves into a mud puddle and think that the Holy Spirit or talking in tongues is somehow going to save us from that. No, you've got to turn from your sin and return back to God through repentance and through obedience to His Word. Someone say amen. I'm talking good right now. I'm telling you the truth tonight. Why? Because if we're not careful, we will excuse our sin because we don't know any different. We don't know that the wages of sin... We think that sin means that you're like some crazy person and, and they're, you know, kill cats and small ducks and, and they're bad people and they don't like puppies. And, and no, the wages of sin is death. Sin is sin. Someone say amen. So when we look at this, the Holy Spirit within us is a foretaste of what? Future glory. It is a glimpse of the power of God in our lives. It is a glimpse, a foretaste, a small taste. When I go to a restaurant and they have a soup and I don't recognize it, like, yeah, we have an artichoke soup with bacon and artichokes in it. And I'm like, well, it sounds interesting, but can I have a taste, please? I've never been denied that they'll bring me a small little cup of soup with a spoon and I can taste a foretaste of a full bowl. And there's times I go, okay, this is garbage, right? No, no thank you. In my mind, I'm going, God, I, would, I couldn't take a bowl of that if you shoved it down my throat, right? But I'm able to foretaste it. I'm able to sample it. And that's what God is saying, that you have sampled the power of God and the Holy Spirit in you and what the future of God's glory in your life will be. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait eagerly, just like the planet, just like nature itself, for the day when God will give us our what? Full rights. I love this. 
our full rights. We will no longer be trapped by this fleshly desire, sinful nature. We will get our full rights as his adopted children, including the new body he has promised us. Verse 24. We were given this hope when we were saved. Someone say, shout saved. And if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Did you hear what I said? If you already are saved, you don't need to hope for being saved. You're saved by the grace and mercy of God. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. Verse 26 says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. You know why you need the Holy Ghost speaking of the, Why? Because the Holy Ghost helps us in our weak areas. It helps carry us over those places in our life where we are just struggling. God will help you and minister to you and help you through those. The Holy Spirit will come and lead and guide you. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, right? But the Holy Spirit prays for us. Someone say amen. With groanings that cannot be expressed in words. There's been times in my life I did not have words to tell God. I simply wept before Him. Because He had to know. He knew my heart. He knew what was going on in my life. And He took my prayers. And the Holy Spirit prayed for me. Words I did not know how to say. The Father who, also, who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Verse 28, And we know that God causes everything, someone shout everything, everything to work together for the good. Now, we quote this passage a lot, but little do we ever come back to the context in which it was written. We're talking about suffering. We're talking Do you understand what I'm saying? We're talking about groanings that cannot be uttered. When you look at the context of what this passage is, we have heard this other passage quoted a thousand times. I bet you I've heard it 10,000 times in my life quoted over a pulpit that all things work together. We quote it to each other when we're going through. And that's what God is trying to say to us. Truly, that you're going to know me in the fellowship of my suffering, but it's going to work out because you're in me and I am in you and you're my child and you have an inheritance with me. And I am going to help you through the Holy Spirit in your weakness and in your frailty. And I know your heart. And I am going to plead with you and lead you. And then he says, and we know that God causes everything to work out for the good. What? Of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance. and he, But He knew you in advance. He knew you in advance. And He says this, And He chose you, chose them to become like His Son. Who's His Son? Jesus Christ. He chose you to become like Jesus. So that His Son, Jesus, would be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. Final verse. And having chosen them, someone shout, I am chosen. Amen? I am chosen. He called them. Someone shout, I'm not just chosen, I'm called. I'm chosen and I'm called. 
them to come to him. And having called them, he what? Gave them right standing with himself. He, he chose you. He called you. He forgave you. He called you. He chose you. He forgave you. Because he wanted you to be right with him and be saved. And having given this right standing, he gave them his glory. He gave them his glory. Imagine with me if today you understood fully that God has his glory. That glory comes by fellowshipping in his suffering, we are told in the earlier verses. We learn that his glory is what we are seeking. We learn that his glory is where his presence is and where his presence is there's fullness of joy. We, we learn that his glory is what we're trying to achieve. Here we learn that we will receive this glory. We have had, listen, we've had the Holy Spirit and it has been a foretaste of this glory, he said. But I want you to imagine what his glory, when you receive that glory, that wonderful place called heaven, that time where we will be with him for eternity. You have right standing with him because of the grace that you walk in, the spirit-led grace that you walk in. But you also are going to have right standing to receive the most great thing in your life, the thing that we seek, and that is God's glory. God's glory. He gave them his glory. When God, I'm, I'm working on a message here. When God gives you his glory. I don't seek on this earth just healing miracle signs and wonders. I seek miracles, healing, signs and wonders. I want God to heal my wife. But I, as a preacher, man of God and a, and a student of God's word, I've had to learn and understand. Listen, knowledge is easy. Knowledge is easy. Information is not hard. Understanding that information, that knowledge, that's where the work comes. Because understanding comes through experience. Understanding comes through trial and tribulation. Understanding. We are told in the scriptures that don't just get knowledge, but get you also understanding. Why? Because understanding is where the bedrock is. When you understand God, you're in relationship with Him. When you understand Him, you've had revelation of Him. No man on this planet can have a relationship so deep without revelation. You have to have a moment with God where He reveals Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ. Where you know that Jesus Christ is your King, your God, and your Savior. And that you can trust him and know that all things <laughs> work together for the good to them that are in Christ Jesus. Those that are called according to his purpose. So tonight, as we close this series, walking in grace is not just about getting a free pass about your sins. It's not just about doing, well, I messed up, so God's grace is going to cover me. No, that's shallow grace. That's grace that is not even grace. That's just forgiveness for your sins when you ask. Grace requires relationship. Grace requires the right intent. 
that I want not God as my rescuer, I want Him as my Lord and Savior. I don't want God to be a bubblegum machine. I put my part in and He gives me back out. I don't want to be able to pray a prayer and Him just heal me. No, I, this is about relationship. This is about a deeper walk in the Spirit than I've ever had before. It's about knowing Him in the fellowship of His suffering. You're also going to know Him in the fellowship of His glory. But that's coming later. That's what the Scripture just said. Because he's going to give it. When we, have, when we have obeyed that call, when we know we are chosen, we walk in the forgiveness and grace that God has given us. He will give us his glory. Father, Lord, we thank you today, Jesus, for all that you have done with us and for us. Lord, we ask tonight that you touch all those that are sick and not well tonight. Lord, all those that are suffering uh, with all that's going on with the flooding and things and health issues. Father, we pray that you know and we ask that you act upon their request tonight. Lord, we know that you are a healer and we believe that tonight and know it to be true. Lord, I want you to, as they online and those in this room, Lord, we close and conclude this series on your grace, Father. I pray today that you allow us to see and know that we are, we are your children. And that we walk not as others walk, Lord. You have called us to a special thing. And it's to walk in your spirit and pursue your glory. I thank you today, Lord, for all you're doing for us and with us. Lead and guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. And let everybody shout amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand clap of Thanksgiving tonight. Amen. Amen. God bless you.